0: Are we going to do any tastings? No. Okay. No tastings. No, today. it's
1: too early. I don't feel like drinking whiskey.
0: Hey, you know, that's the time I do first thing. <laughs>
1: do you the really? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. man. Well, I we've I got. got I've got a long day containers. ahead of me, so I'm. Well, I'm first good. thing in
0: the morning is when my palate's best. When your palate's best. For Just me,
1: right after you brush your teeth.
0: Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> no. <laughs>
1: Welcome to episode 186 of Bourbon Pursuit. I'm your host, Kenny, and we've got a lot of news to go through. I don't know if it's just this time of the year, but all kinds of press releases have been coming in, all kinds of internet websites have been popping up with new information, so we've got a lot of stuff to hit through. And the first one we're gonna talk about is Woodford Reserve. They have released their Double Double Oaked 2019 edition. It can be found in their gift shop and it's gonna start hitting some other distributors. can have an SRP of around $49.99. Now this is part of the brand's annual distillery series releases. It was originally launched in 2015 and it was inspired by their original double-oaked bourbon. However, this one has a more distinctly spicier taste, whereas the double-oaked is known for just being a little bit sweeter. And this spicier finish is a result of finishing the Woodford Reserve bourbon for two years in a second barrel and it's also very heavily toasted and lightly charred, whereas the double-oaked is aged for just one year in the second barrel. Now, as a tech guy myself, I find this truly fascinating. Buffalo Trace has launched a new experience where anybody around the world can actually explore the distillery through its new virtual reality tour. Yes, so you can go to Buffalo Trace VirtualTour.com, download the files, and you can explore as if you're there. You can go walking, you can go visit the buildings, you can see informations and click on information bubbles and click on the tags and really look at as if you were there getting a tour by Freddie Johnson himself. So go ahead, check it out, BuffaloTrace Tour.com. Now, as we're still talking about Buffalo Trace, do you remember the days when you would see Tech on the shelves? Now, not BTAC, the Buffalo Trace Experimental Collection. These were 375 mLs that sometimes, you know, really they're experiments coming from Warehouse X, but most of them never made it as a core product line. However, at the end of February, you're gonna see two new ones start hitting. And these are bourbons aged for more than nine years in barrels that were made from oak staves that were seasoned for three and four years. The bourbons were Buffalo Trace match bill number one, and they were put away to age on October 27th, 2009. Now the staves, again, they were seasoned for 36 months and 48 months. Now by definition, most barrel staves, and, and most, I guess you'd say it's common, is that they air dry for six months. However, these oak staves were allowed to season a much longer period in hopes that they would offer some sort of unique flavor. Now, Harlan Wheatley described them in the 48 month one as creating a more mellow taste and holding less flavor from the wood, whereas the 36 month one is a little bit more flavorful and it has oak notes and caramel present. Now, these bourbons will be sold in a two pack case, bottled at 90 proof, and an MSRP of $46.35. It's a quite odd number, but that's what you can find. Other big news. Heaven Hill has announced they have crowned a new master distiller to take Denny Potter's role since he left the company back in late 2018 to go over to Maker's Mark. Connor O'Driscoll joins Heaven Hill as the fifth master distiller in its 84-year history. He's held roles in operations from Brown Foreman and Distillery in Shively, as well as the Woodford Reserve Distillery, including a massive warehouse expansion program. In 2017, he left Woodford to lead operations at Angel's Envy here in Louisville. And now that he's heading over to Heaven Hill, you can probably expect a new job posting soon at Angel's Envy. Now on our end, we've talked about it a lot, Pursuit Series, our own private label. It has first access through our Patreon community. However, episodes three through seven didn't sell out completely. So for the first time ever, they are going to be available to the public. They are available right now on sealbox.com. There are less than 50 bottles that remain from each of these barrels, and you can learn more about them if you visit our site at pursuitspirits.com go ahead, hit that episodes link and you can get an idea, view them through them all. And if you want the links directly, go ahead and visit them in our show notes. We partner with the Kentucky Derby Museum to bring you the Legend Series. And last week, we wrapped up our first recording there for the 2019 season with both of our guests today. In addition, this weekend, February 2nd, 2019, is the opening of the Michter's Fort Nelson Distillery in downtown Louisville. Now, the legend series recording that, we're going to save that for a later date, but we figured with all this news, it was a great time to release this episode because the timing just worked out. Andrea Wilson was a guest back on episode 47, so almost 140 episodes later, she makes her return, also with a new role, being crowned as the Master of Maturation. And we dig into some talk about chemicals and wood effects on their bourbon. In addition, we're joined by Pam Heilman, who is the current master distiller at Michter's. And we talk about her history at the Booker no plant and what they're doing at Michter's that makes it just a little bit special and unique. We also dive into topics that a lot of us whiskey geeks really care about, like the limited high-aged expression releases, barrel-proof releases, and could we ever expect to see a single barrel program? Now, if you want to listen to all of our Michter's podcasts, go to bourbonpursuit.com, hover over the episodes, sort by distillery, and choose Michters. We love having your support and your iTunes reviews are one of the biggest contributing factors to helping this podcast grow and succeed. So please, take just a few minutes and leave us a rating and a review. These help in our rankings and make Bourbon Pursuit visible to people searching for podcasts that they want to listen to. Now with that, enjoy this week's episode. Here's Fred Minnick, with Above the Char.
2: I'm Fred Minnick and this is Above the Char. You know some of the things that really bother me? I gotta tell you, this is something that's been bothering me for a very long time. And that's when people recommend rubbing bourbon on the gums of infants. Now, I've got a newborn, so maybe I'm a little sensitive to this right now. In fact, he's he cries a lot in the middle of the night. And, you know, it's hard to get a little bit of sleep, but I would never in a million years rub alcohol on his gums. Now, that's something that people did back in the 50s, the 1800s, but that's really before we had medicine that was better suited for that and before we even actually understood what alcohol could do to an infant if we were to put too much on there. Case in point, in Arkansas a couple years ago, a lady killed her child by trying to rub an entire shot of bourbon on its gums. How sad is that? So when you're out and about and you see someone with a kid and they're crying, I wouldn't recommend joking about rubbing bourbon on its gums because they just might listen to you. When we used to prescribe bourbon for medicine, we didn't have aspirin or Advil or penicillin. And if you had a a broken leg, you were looking at amputation. Today we have all these wonderful medical advances. And I would trust a doctor over an old wife's tale from the 1950s. And that's this week's Above the Char. Hey, make sure you hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at Fred Minnick. That's at Fred Minnick. Until next week, cheers.
1: Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to noseyourbourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12 year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye opener. You can order online at Sealbox or theBourbonConcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. Anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Welcome back to the episode of Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of bourbon. Just Kenny here on site today and a room that we've been familiar with before because we've recorded one time with our guest here. We've also recorded with the CEO of the company, Joseph Malioco, and I've figured out that i can finally say it pretty much correctly after talking to them and meeting them a few times uh the people at mictors are always fun to be able to talk to because they've got a great story a great history a lot of great products are out there and they are also they're distilling now they're gonna have new product at some point in the future with their own distillate and we're gonna talk on some of those topics and maybe some other things as we start diving into this but Let's go ahead and introduce our guests for today. So I've got Andrea Wilson, the Master of Maturation, and Pam Heilman, who is the Master Distiller here at Mictor. So welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you. Hello. Yeah. Welcome back, Andrea.
0: Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah, I think
3: uh, podcast number
1: 47. 47 is when the last time you were on. So we got to talk about, you know, your history and your story and... You know, I think one question I got to ask before we can start kicking this off is, what does master of maturation even mean?
3: <laughs> oh, thank you for asking.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure I'm not the first person that's asked that.
3: No, no, it, it's actually really interesting though because I I appreciate so much that uh, the Michters family recognizes that there are really two aspects of making whiskey. One aspect is certainly everything that is in Pam's. Um, you know area of expertise, which is around you know selection of grains and the equipment itself and proof of distillation and you know the yeast and fermentation and all of these things that ultimately influence the flavor of the distillate, but then there's a whole nother side of the process which is around um you know once it moves into the cask, which includes you know the the wood selection process we use at least. 18-month air-dried and seasoned wood. We toast all of our wood before we char it. The entry-proof into the wood, um, the heat cycling of our warehouses, as well as just other environmental factors and quality control and monitoring during the aging cycle and and managing all of that. That's what kind of sits on the other side of the process of making whiskey. So um, it is something relatively unique to... um, You know, in that or or relatively new, I would say, for American whiskey to be calling both sides of the equation. Um, It has it is something that has been done in Scotch and Irish whiskey for some time.
1: So since you're you're doing a lot of stuff with the, the heat cycling warehouses, have you gotten to the point where you can just control like the Nest thermostat? In the, in the warehouse, like from your phone? You don't actually get to go in there and turn a <laughs> dial or something anymore? We haven't
0: got that far yet. No, <laughs> no, that, that, that would be... We don't uh, do anything that, at home. <laughs> it's just not that
3: simple. Um, <laughs> it, it's really not. I mean, we, we have, uh, we utilize probes throughout cross-sectional um, barrels in our warehouses on each floor, north, south, east, and west of the warehouse and in the center areas. All of those probes are inserted into the, the barrels themselves and they're monitoring the whiskey temperatures so we're actually tracking and monitoring how whiskey is heating up and how it's cooling down and how it's stabilizing at lower and higher temperatures because we want our houses to age more consistently throughout the entire house we want to have a contiguous house we don't want to have things at the top floors aging differently than the bottom floors and it's one of the single biggest reasons that um we are moving towards a four-floor warehouse format that allows us to get continuity of an entire house.
1: Okay. I've got probably a lot of questions asked through there, but I've got we gotta <laughs> we gotta show Pam some love because Pam hasn't been on the show yet. So we've got to we gotta get her history here and sort of talk about it. So Pam, I kind of want to kind of rewind the gears a little bit, kind of talk about growing up, how you got into whiskey. Um, did you remember your first? taste of bourbon, like what was what was your sort of journey into it?
0: Honestly, um, I was raised in Syracuse, New York. So bourbon wasn't a big thing in the Northeast. Because
1: mm-hmm. we were talking beforehand. Well, we were talking beforehand, I mean, we're Italian. Like it was probably like yeah. Prosecco and stuff like no, that. No, maybe. no,
0: no, no. I, I mean, I drank whiskey, you mm-hmm. know, what, back then, back in the day, you could be 18 and drink. Mm-hmm. And um, so when I became 18, of course, never before that, I, um, can, my, be my drink of you choice would have been a, a, uh, ginger ale and whiskey or something like that. You know, something very simple back in the day. That was like the stuff you drank.
1: You were actually you know? drinking whiskey at 18. I was. Man, most people mm-hmm. are, they're, they're either, mm-hmm. they're, they're pounding, you know, crappy beers
0: or Mm-mm. clear
1: spirits or something and, like that. I never,
0: that. I mean, I like beer and I can appreciate beer and I still like beer, you know, good beers, but, um. If I was going out to to you know socialize, it would have been a whiskey and some kind of soda or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, never like you know I I didn't really like sweet too much sweet stuff, but back then the sweetness was the soda, you know. Mm-hmm. And it, but I I we always had you know Canadian whiskeys and and Dude, American whiskeys. a lot of Seven and, and Sevens back and then things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that was big. I mean. I'm not going to date myself, but back then, <laughs> that was, I was still in that brown spirits kind of era, maybe a little bit, you know, we were just starting to get into the, um, it would have been, I would have been out of school for a long time, out of high school, long time, college, before um, the the white spirits really took over, because that was like in the 80s, mm-hmm. you know, and I graduated high school in 73, so that was still Brown Spirits kind of time. It was the tail end of it.
1: You so just said speak. you weren't going to date yourself.
0: I know. All right. Sorry. <laughs> I could have graduated high school when I could have been a prodigy. I could have graduated at 10, right? There you go. What do you call it? What's that guy on TV now? This is uh, all news to me. <laughs> I, I actually thought, Pam, you just graduated from high school
3: not too long just last ago. Year. I,
0: this is all the news. <laughs> it took me a long time. But anyway, so so I was from the Northeast. Um, We didn't come to Kentucky till about 23 years ago, a little over 23 years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, my husband and I were transferred down with another company. And I wasn't in the distilling industry. And honestly, I don't think... I think it was probably the year before we moved here, for some reason, we did a little trip to Kentucky because my husband had always wanted to go to Kentucky and Tennessee and see, you know, Jack Daniels and Jim Beam. And, you know, and so we came down and that was the first time actually I ever had bourbon, Mm -hmm. to be honest, was when we came on that trip. So I was I was pretty old. I mean, for my first bourbon, because bourbon wasn't a big thing in the Northeast at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, So we did that trip. And the following year, they asked us to move to Kentucky. And so we came down here. Um, My husband was plant manager at the plant. And I was a a metallurgical supervisor up in Syracuse. Came down here, I was a a foundry supervisor
3: um,
0: in a magnetics plant in Elizabethtown. And um, plant wasn't doing well. My husband had decided he was closing it, um, told me that, said, you know, we got a decision to make. Do we want to go back up north? You know, we can go back with the same company and stay with the company or we can stay here. But we kind of liked Kentucky. We loved the area. We loved our home. We loved the people. um, And so we wanted to stay. So he told me I needed to go find another job. (laughs) So that's what I did. And, you know, I knew somebody in the employment industry, and they gave my resume to Jack Allen, was the HR director at Jim Beam. And a few weeks later, I was working for Jim Beam in the distillery as a relief supervisor. What's a Um, relief
1: supervisor mean?
0: Well, a relief supervisor is the person that actually relieves all the other supervisors, All shifts, both plants. Mm -hmm. So I worked at Claremont and Booker No. Um, At the time it was called Boston. Wasn't Booker No yet. Mm -hmm. Hadn't been rededicated. But um, I worked at both plants, all shifts. Um, When we went to a six-day schedule, I would work really, really goofy shifts. I would be like on Monday and Tuesday, I'd be on midnight to eight. Wednesday, Thursday, I'd be on four to 12. Friday would be my day off. And Saturday, I'd work day shift both plants rotating. So it was... Um,
1: so you didn't have a normal life is what you're trying to say. I did
0: not. I did not. And, my, and you know, what was really interesting, and I've said this a lot, it's the worst job I ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. I can honestly say that from a um, a lifestyle standpoint. Yeah, I was to say quality know? of life at
1: that quality point. Quality
0: of life. It was horrible. But I loved going to work. I loved what I was doing. I loved going there every day. I was exhausted because I never slept well. Uh, you know, you never knew what shift or what time to sleep or what time to wake, what time to eat. Gained weight because I was eating all times of the day. But I loved it. And in my free time as a relief supervisor, I got to work with Master Distiller mm-hmm. at Beam. And so I worked on special projects with him. Got to work throughout the plant. So I would venture out of the distillery. I would get to work on... um projects in the warehouse or a project, you know, a special project in bottling. If they were working on a couple of examples, we worked on, um, fill heights in, um, in actually tank fill heights in processing. I got to work on that project. I got to work on a project of angel share in the warehouse. My background was business. Um, I had a business degree and, um, education degree and, um, so I did a lot of statistics. And so he would he would give me all the numbers. We would collect data and we would, you know, manipulate the data, find out what was going on and all these things. So I got to learn a real lot, real lot about the process, not just in the distillery, but in other areas. You know, what? because normally in a plant like Beam, it's huge you had your own little niche and you didn't go to another niche.
1: It was kind of like a, a Ford assembly model. If it was like you're, you're just putting the tires on day after day.
0: So. Yeah. You're in the distillery. You don't leave the distillery as a supervisor, but, but I was lucky because as a relief supervisor, getting to work for the master distiller, I was exposed to a lot of parts of the plant, got to meet a lot of different people um, and interact with them um, both above me and bo- and below me. Um, you know, a lot of great operators at the time, Beam had people, the majority of the people were anywhere from 20 to 40 year veterans. You know, people stayed in those jobs forever and ever Mm -hmm. and ever. They didn't leave those jobs. And those people are the ones you can learn the most from. The operators on the floor, the supervisors who have been there forever. And those are the people that taught me. And um, I mean, I learned immense uh, knowledge from all of them. So I, then I just got, kept getting promoted and was on a trajectory and ultimately ended up being the distillery manager at the Booker Noe plant.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and that was the last eight years I was at Beam. Um, during that time was when they had the major expansion. Um, it, uh, we increased capacity 50%. Um, and I was the operations person or representative on that team to ensure that you know we got what we needed and we were able to get back up and running and after the uh, expansion was completed. And through that was, was, I think, how Joe became aware of my name or whatever. Um, he had asked in the industry, he was looking for someone.
1: We also got to make sure we tell people that we're not recording in a bathroom right now either. That that noise we hear is the sink and the dishwasher. If anybody else is oh. picking that up, so yeah, I <laughs> so out I, I promise. That out. So I promise. I we're we're not we're not recording in a in a bathroom studio here. But <laughs> sorry to interrupt you there, Pam. Yeah,
0: no, that's okay. I didn't even think about. It. I I you know we don't even notice those noises in the bag. Yeah, it does yeah. it all the time. We don't think about that, but. Um, yeah, so, so I, I spearheaded it from the operations perspective and brought the plant back up, got it back running. We were running for about a year when Joe approached me about uh, him and Willie and um, what they were doing here at Michter's and um, would like me to be part of that team. Um, and um, so I came on board at Micter's. I think I was like the sixth person at that time to be brought on board. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have over 40 people here now. Um, in 5 years time.
1: So it's grown
0: a bit. Yeah, a in little 5 bit. years. Yes.
1: So another question I'll throw at you because you kind of have this this two-dimensional thing when you think of a lot of the master distillers that are out there today. You've got you got the nose uh, where and, and even to will it to the colzines at some degree. It's it's this this idea that the palate is passed down through generational Means and they just have this sort of relationship where somebody sort of takes over that uh, that that role and assumes it. Then you've got the other side; these people that uh, like Marianne, who's just you know very d- done well within school, chemical engineering degrees, everything like this. Where do you sort of fall in in the spectrums of of, of well, all
0: this? It's interesting because you know I think that there's probably lots of people out there in that in between. Because people who don't know and haven't trained their palate or or haven't recognized that they have a palate, you know, and can recognize things. You know, when I came up through the ranks at Beam, you know, one of the the first things that they always did is, you know, if you were interested, you could go to Taste Panel and you could be trained to be on Taste Panel. And so when I went through that training, um, we recognized that I had some ability to... Um, distinguish pretty well certain compounds, certain, certain negatives, certain positives. And so for certain things, they would call me. They would call certain people because you would have your super tasters or whatever you want to call them that were, you know, this person really recognizes a grainy note or a fruity note, or this person really recognizes a musty note. And there were, you know, there were times they would call me and they'd say, we think, you know, we've got what do you think this is, you know, and I'd go up and do it. And
1: they would be like, that's, that's Dawn. That's, that's just, that's just dish detergent. What are you you trying to make me do here?
0: (laughs) But yeah, no. um, So to a certain extent, you can train yourself if you have the, the, the natural ability, but I guess you have to have that natural ability. And I don't know. I was always, I always had a sensitive nose, you know, to smells. I was always very sensitive to smells growing up even. Um, we used to tease my dad, and 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 it's funny you said that about the hereditary and some of the families, the older families and stuff, because we used to tease my dad when we were little that he could smell anything from miles away. And um, you know, if you were cooking certain something, he'd say to my mother, What is that? What is that smell? You know? And um so, you know, certain times I think you're right. It it is something that's hereditary, but you know, if you're not in the industry, you don't know. How to fine tune that. And so I think that got fine tuned when I worked at beam. And as I've come on to Mictors, I think even more so. Uh, and, you know, sometimes they say it changes as you go through life. I haven't, I have found that actually I've gotten better as I've gotten older and I'm, I'm waiting for it to start going the other way, you know, cause which mm-hmm. I expect at some point it's going to change.
1: But so, both of you had the opportunity to be on tasting panels here at Mechter's and you're, you're mm-hmm. essentially looking at the products that are going to go out. Now a question that most people like me and our listeners think like, that's gotta be the coolest job in the world. You sit around, you you get like nine, 10, 20, 30, whatever, how many samples you got to go through. Taste, bit, taste, bit, taste, bit, Ooh. And they think it's the coolest thing ever. Kind of give the, a reality like, is it cool? Or is it like, well, it's, it's, there's, it's got its days
3: it it's actually really funny that you bring this up mm-hmm. because yesterday we were just having a conversation about uh I was talking to some of the team members here and um, just about what I do and I said, seems
1: you like know, you have sometime, to explain it a lot. Is that no, 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 Not, not in, about like, being a, a master of oh, okay. maturation,
3: but that just was, about yeah. the role <laughs> within the company okay, and the different yeah. um things that I get pulled into. And I said, you know, honestly, it it is a situation where every day, and believe me when I tell you, it is. It is such a fun thing. Yes, there are difficult days. Yes, Mm -hmm. there are challenging issues that come up. Yes, there's trouble that has to be solved. And, you know, all of these things because it's a very dynamic, very complex process. Uh, And it's total supply chain that Pam and I are looking after. Um, So it's not just one element of the process. You know, there's so many facets um, Mm -hmm. uh, that we're looking after. But it is extremely rewarding to come here every day, have the opportunity to not only be a part of what this team is working so hard to build as a legacy for this brand, but to actually taste kind of the, the end result, taste it before it goes in the barrel, taste it when it's coming out of the barrel, decide on new products, try things. Some things don't always work out, but a lot of things do, and right. you get really excited. I mean, last year when we released it, our, our, released our uh, toasted barrel-finished uh, barrel-strength barrel rye for the first time. Yeah, yeah. people went a little it crazy. Was, it was tremendously yeah, it. exciting. And right. It's such for us, a, it was very exciting. Yeah, it, it's such a hugely rewarding, um, such a joy, and it's our passion. I think that's what people... Um, have to recognize is this is this is what we love to do, you know, and being able to get up in the morning and say, "I'm going to do what I really enjoy doing today," um, and every day is not the same. <laughs> every day brings brings new opportunities and mm-hmm. new fun, you know. And so, um, our owner Joe Malioko, he laughs at me all the time because I'm always like it's so much fun. And he's like, are we, are we having fun? (laughs) (laughs) Is that what you call it? You know, because there are days when it's like, I'm not sure this is so fun, (laughs) but we, I I just, I I think it's, it is a real joy and it's a real pleasure. And especially when I get to spend time like with people like Pam, who is an industry veteran, who, you know, I consider myself somebody who's always learning. I'm still learning and you know, I I enjoy that very much and you know how people think and how people think differently and the diversity of our team. I mean, it's amazing to me. And I, I learned from everybody, you know, learn from you, Kenny, you know, just about this whole podcast thing. You know, this right. isn't something that I know about or I, I, you know, I just I think it's tremendously insightful and I I seize every opportunity to
0: to learn where I can mm-hmm. many years ago when I first started at being, I had a 40 year veteran tell me that I said to him, well, you know, everything, you know, I said, you know, tell me about this or this. And he goes, I don't know everything. He goes, I learn something new every day. He says, you're dead. If you're not learning something new, you wake up on any given day. And if, if you're not learning something new, then, then he said the way I look at it is you shouldn't even be here. Because, because that's what life's about. You're here to learn something new every day from whoever you can. And I've gone through, I mean, that really stuck with me from that time on. And everyone that I've ever come in contact with, I don't, I don't care what level of the, of the company or organization they are, I can learn something new from them. I have learned, um, immeasurable things from some of the new young chemical engineers we have out here. And I think they're great. These new new young people, they learn things differently than we did um, or than I did, especially Andrea is much younger than I am, but even, even than I did, I mean, so for me, just it's, it's just, that's what keeps me going. That's what keeps me alive and keeps me interested is learning that there's new ways and different ways of doing things. Keep your mind open mm-hmm. and, and try to, to experience something new, you know, it's, Absolutely. I think it's great.
1: So you had mentioned, you know, you're bringing on, you're learning every day. I actually right. had a, I work in tech. And so I had a friend always tell me, he goes, if you're the smartest guy in your company, go find a new job. Right. right. So it's exactly. A, kind, of, kind of pulls exactly into that. Right. But you had mentioned, you know, you, you, you've got a lot of, you were here at number five or number six, you brought on a, a slew of new people. You got, you just right. mentioned all these new chemical engineers. What are they bringing to the table, uh, that you're kind of seeing in regards of? Uh, the finished product, the process, anything like that?
0: Well, I mean, first of all, every person you bring on is a different perspective. You know, um, whether they're a chemical engineer or a business graduate or or whatever part of the organization. And here at Mictors, you can contribute no matter who you are. If you're an accountant, it doesn't matter. We send you out to do events anyway. We're, we're happy to have anybody to help us. I mean, we're so a, small.
1: One less plane you have to get. <laughs>
0: We're so small, though, that everyone does everything, and so I think it's um, Michter's is a unique team because the people that we bring on board are are very unique, and they have to have a certain. I guess I'll I'll say it's attitude, or and it, and you can call it passion. Sometimes Andrea calls it passion, but they they have to, to me, have a certain. Attitude about their work ethic and what they're willing to do, they have to be flexible, certainly to work here um, because we all do different things. I mean, one day I may be putting bottles in a box the next day. I'm out in Portland, Oregon, talking about our brands, you know um, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, whether I'm the top person or the bottom person, I'm willing to do anything and anything, anything or. Everything to make this place work. Mm-hmm. Andrea's got that same attitude and that same get, out, and I think that you would find any team member here that you talk to would have very similar motivation and attitude. And so that's kind of what we're we're all about.
1: So how much still time are you, are you doing? Are, are are you still looking over it? You got a team looking over it? Like how, kind of talk about (laughs) how that operation works.
0: We have, um, well, we have our distiller, Dan McKee. He's vice president of operations, (laughs) um, production. He's vice president of production. And, um, then underneath him, we have a distillery manager as well. And we have several operators, a lead supervisor out on the floor. Um, so we have a lot of people out in the mix. um, The team meets very regularly. Um, And if I'm out on the road, the team talks very regularly. So they'll call me. I'm always a phone call away. It doesn't matter where I am. And um, Dan has been with me. Dan started at Beam with me. Um, I've been... uh, Sounds like you're
1: you're poaching people.
0: No, no, not at all. (laughs) Um, Actually, um, it just right time, right place kind of thing. Absolutely. And he's been here, I, actually, I've worked with Dan for over 13 years. So he pretty much knows how I think, what, what I think, um, as far as distillation goes and that sort of thing. I have every confidence that all of the guys and gals that work for us, um, they, they want to do the right things. They, they know, you know, we train them. We work with them very, very hard. Andrea does. I do. Um, to make sure they understand our commitment and what we're about and, and what we expect, um, the level of quality that we expect. And, um, you know, so I still lead the team um, no matter where I am. <laughs> um, not here as much as I used to be, but I am here quite a bit. Um, when I am here, That's what we focus on. If we have a distillation problem, if we have a maturation problem, the whole team gets together and Mm -hmm. works on that. I mean, Andrea works with the distillation team as well. It's not like just because her expertise is maturation doesn't mean that she doesn't know anything about distillation. Same with me. Just because that's the majority of what I've always done. Doesn't mean I don't know anything about maturation either. Absolutely. You know, it's, 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 we're all part of that team though. Mm -hmm. So we have that leadership team that works together. And what's great about that is different perspectives, Mm -hmm. you know, to get back to your question, different perspectives, you know, I'm, and we have people from all walks of life from different parts of the country. Mm -hmm. Um, And I may be looking at something through blinders and she may say something that triggers me that, Hey, I didn't think about it like that. And then we build on that and we, we go from there and it works both ways. I mean, we work on that. We, to me, we're more of a team than, than, uh, you know, Joe's the boss. Mm-hmm. Joe's the only boss we have. That's <laughs> why I look That's at nice.
1: It. That's nice.
0: You know, and, <laughs> and, you know, and Joe pretty much lets us do our thing. Mm-hmm. You know, he he always tells us, you're the experts, you tell me, what do you think? You know, and he says it to all of us and we'll we'll agree as a team on on the directions and, and the way we should go and what we should do, even down to experimentation. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody has ideas.
1: So I want to talk about experimentation here in a minute, but while we're still on the topic of distillation, I've got to bring it up because I know somebody's going to want to know, is Willie Pratt still in the picture anywhere or is it just kind of... You know, there's the new team, the new regime, whatever you want to kind of call it, is, is moving this, no, this train forward. We
0: still pull from Willie's got Willie's got a wealth of knowledge. And Willie pops in once every couple weeks or so. And, <laughs> you know, comes in, he'll come for a meeting or So he you're saying his, say his, his badge hi. card, still it, still okay. it still works. It still works. He's still here. Um, and if we have a problem that we need to, you know, we think he might be able to help us with, we'll reach out and ask him to To come help us with that, um, he's got so much knowledge and a wealth of knowledge that you know Andrea can pull from a lot of that. Well, he had a lot of maturation experience, uh, experience and blending experience, and um, so we we do we call him and he calls us and he stops in and he still has his office. He still has an office down the hall. Okay, cool. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. For anybody that's listening that doesn't know that, so Willie Pratt is was the, or is the uh, master distiller emeritus, and the, is that the emeritus? name? Uh-huh. Okay, is that is what he's been deemed as? So as before we before we hit the experimentation side, because I know that there's a lot of things you guys are playing with. I want to talk about because you you had brought up the toasted rye a little bit earlier, mm-hmm. and I kind of uh-huh. want to give people an idea of. When they see these on the shelves, which they don't see them on the shelves anymore, because once they're once they're in the <laughs> shelves, they're gone. But what is what does toasted mean? Are you getting toasted barrels? Are you, um, you know, I, what what does it mean in, in regards of mictors to to bring a, a toasted product to the market? Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point of sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. What does toasted mean? Are you getting toasted barrels? Are you... um you know, I, what, what does it mean in, in regards of Mictors to, to bring a, a toasted product to the market?
0: I'll let Andrea. So,
3: um, first of all, we, we released our toasted uh, barrel strength um, rye product last fall. Mm-hmm. And this September, September 2018, we released our toasted barrel finished bourbon that we had not released um, it was like 2014, 2015, 2015. For three years. Like three years ago was, was the, last the, time. the last time we released it. Mm-hmm. We released Toasted Barrel Finished Bourbon the first time in 2014, then right. released it again in 2015, and then we haven't released it again since then. Mm-hmm. And the way the products are made is that we age our regular single barrel straight rye and our regular um, Kentucky straight bourbon. We age them for five to seven years. Then we take them out of the barrel, and then we put them in a toasted-only cask for a finishing process. So in, in the case of the toasted-barrel-finished bourbon, it's a small batch product. Um, it gets dumped, and then it gets um, moved into toasted-only cask, where it stays for a short period of time. And then it comes out, and it's it's called uh, Michter's Toasted Barrel-finished Bourbon. Now the toasted barrel strength barrel finished rye was basically a product where we took our single barrel rye after aging, we took it out, moved it barrel for barrel into another single barrel product that would have been aged for at least 24 months, naturally seasoned and air dried, had a special toast, toasted only. And then it parted uh, a different flavor profile to that product.
1: Um, Also explain, explain to some of the listeners what, what toasted barrels actually mean, because we've, we've know like they can look at alligator char number four, like everybody hears about that and you hear about char levels, Uh but not all the time do people talk about what toasting means. So kind of explain that one too.
3: Yeah. So, um, well, first of all, so our wood starts, um, we age it and naturally season it. It in a yard. Our cooperages do that for us. And we naturally air dry and season for at least 18 months. And the reason for that is you want to get rid of green characters in the wood, astringency, bitterness, because those are not characters that are consistent with the profile of Mictor. So we want to do that first. Then it comes into the cooperage. They will form the barrel, no heads in it yet. They just form the barrel. And then they will take that barrel and they'll place it over like a small white oak fire. And what that fire is doing is it's heating the wood to different temperatures. They control the temperature. They are monitoring the temperature, usually with probes inside the barrel or heat guns, whatever tools they have, because that's part of the quality control program. And the importance of the temperature of heating is at different temperatures, different compounds in the wood break down. Then those characters can be extracted directly into your whiskey. So most people don't realize, but barrels are extremely rich in a lot of different natural um, flavor compounds that you can extract right into your whiskey products. So it can be everything from, you know, everybody always talks about lactones, and certainly that's a big component of it. Um, But you'll also get, uh, you know, mochas and chocolates and fruity and spicy and all these other different things that you can extract directly from the wood. So one of the most important things in American whiskey, especially Kentucky bourbon, is vanilla character. Vanilla character comes from vanillin, which comes from the lignin layer of the wood. That layer only breaks down over time or temperature. So if you want more vanillin, then you've got to break it down with some heat. Um, so different uh, profiles. There are different toasting profiles. There's not just one. So you can um, you know, heat... To different temperatures, and um, and then you could drop temperature. You can stair step up. You can hold at certain temperatures. All will give you different compounds. So it's a very important part of the process. So we have a, a specification for our toasting profile that we give to the cooperages. Then they have to repeatedly meet that toasting profile for us. But that's all before the barrel gets charred. Mm-hmm. The you know the law only requires new charred oak. Doesn't say anything about how you season your wood, how you prepare your wood, and it doesn't say anything about how you, whether or not you toast your wood. Toasting is an art from the wine industry that's been employed for a long time. Mm -hmm. There are other people in the spirits industry who, who will toast barrels, but it's extremely expensive to do it. Uh, We pay a significant premium to naturally air dry and season our wood and toast our wood before we char it. But it's all about helping us extract more More character from from the wood.
1: And Joe has said time and time again, no expenses is is basically everything for the the quality of the product. There's no expense that he's not going to pay to be able to do that. I and mean, he's true. he's said te- he said that time and time before. it's true. It's,
3: it's one of the greatest mm-hmm. freedoms that I think that Pam, myself, Dan, um and just the overall team here at Mictors enjoys is right. that we are able to invest in the things that we know really influence. Um, the final quality of the product. I mean, I'm a consumer the same as I work for a producer. And if I'm spending, you know, just $45 to $50 for a bottle of Michter's whiskey, I want to know that that's 45 or five or $50 well spent. And I'm going to be able to count on the quality of that liquid right. in the bottle the consistency. and consistency of the quality mm-hmm. of that liquid in the bottle. And that's very important. I think, um, You know, that's where we we compete on the quality of our whiskey. It's one of the things, Mm -hmm. you know, Pam always talks about, we age for quality. We don't just, oh, well, the law says you have to be at least four years old not to have to declare an age statement on your bottle. So send it down the bottling line at four years in a day because we're concerned about volume. Yes, our consumers, we have a tremendous demand, and we know consumers get frustrated because they can't always get our products. but. We're a company who's focused on putting good quality in the bottle, we're, and that's very that's incredibly important to us. So we're not going to cut corners um, to try to meet our objectives. Exactly.
1: So two exactly. two more questions on just the product side. So you'd mentioned barrel strength rye. Uh, I believe it was last year for Bourbon Affair. You guys had came out with the barrel strength bourbon um, that had that was a, kind of like a one-time yeah. one so time thing. So why not barrel strength all the time? What, what's the what's holding you back?
0: Uh, I was just (laughs) going to say, you know, that you put out that barrel strength, that's, you know, could equate to a number of different bottles of regular um, bourbon. mm -hmm. So the volumes that we have right now are limited. So same thing with the toasted. Why we waited so long? Everyone kept saying, "Why? Why haven't you done a toasted bourbon again?" Everyone loved that. You hurry know. up and wait. Hurry up! Hurry up! You know, and everywhere I go, they keep asking. You know, when are you going to do this? When are you going to do that? Well, every bottle of toasted bourbon we put out there is bottles of regular bourbon we can't put out there, and we need to ensure that we can provide the consumer and the market with, you know, our, our core products, our U.S. Mm-hmm. 1 line. We want to make sure that we have that product out there so when someone goes to the shelf, they can get a bottle of Michter's bourbon. Um, if we chose to do all these limited releases all the time, we wouldn't have any regular bourbon right now. Now, you know, in the future, that volume hopefully will increase as uh, the production from our current facility our new facility here um, gets out there. That's about a little over three years right now.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so another couple of years, um, it'll be five years. And hopefully you know we'll start making sure that it's ready to go out. And when it's ready to put in the bottle, we'll have a little more volume down the road a few years. yeah, cause but I, right now, not so much. I know
1: that's a like a sticking point to a lot of a lot of bourbon and whiskey geeks out there that, you know, a, they love barrel proof product because right. you can just price it the same that you would., uh, you're gonna make the same amount of money through the barrel because you're just gonna price it to the point that it's right. gonna be., uh, right. the, the other thing is you look at it from another perspective that we love. Picking your own barrels, like you love these these yeah. one-offs, be able to go and be able to do that. Um, is that another reason why that Michter's hasn't opened up a single barrel program because of of figuring out volume?
0: Well, we just don't have the inventory and the stocks to be able to support a barrel program.
1: How about you just sell me one barrel?
0: (laughs) That's what everybody says, though. That's the problem. Every place I go, it doesn't matter where in the country I am. Just one barrel. Just one barrel. We only want one. Yeah, you want one, and he wants one, and he wants one, and she wants one. But yeah, that, I mean, it's it's we just don't have the stocks to do that mm-hmm. that kind of thing right now.
1: And so you said you've got probably three more years until you can start looking at those stocks. It's
0: probably about that. Because yeah. now,
1: how long have have you all been actually distilling here? Has it been
0: since August 2015?
1: Okay, so we're mm-hmm. we're three three and a half years into it at this point. Right. Um, almost four, I guess. Now, at what point do you are you looking at? Looking at the future, saying like, okay, well, I'm going to take our, our distillate, blend it with our source product, and then kind of take the uh, the smooth ambler approach, where they were kind of doing that with contradiction. Or are you saying uh, we can either do uh, new lines of bourbon and whiskey, or do we do a hard cut and we say, all right, source Just remember, product gone.
0: It's the same product, same recipe, same yeast. Um, I was charged when we brought this plant online. To ensure consistency from one product to the other. Mm-hmm. And that was one of my main goals was to ensure that we could. Yeah, are you going to notice that there's a little bit different nuances, maybe? Yeah, no different than from barrel to barrel, you know? But, but, you know, it was, it was my goal to ensure we had a seamless transition so that our product was consistent throughout. And that's what we believe we've done, at least we hope we have.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Well, and we've been afforded the opportunity. Again, you know, Joe has allowed us to really invest. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have a state-of-the-art laboratory here with exactly over a quarter of a million dollars worth of very sophisticated equipment that has allowed us um, not only on an organoleptic or, right. or sensory basis, you know, uh, to identify but on a product level. matching back to standard, but mm-hmm. also on a very scientific level. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're we're very pleased with how things have been progressing, and we're very excited about, you know, our continued journey and, and the support um, that we continue to mm-hmm. garner by more and more consumers who are enjoying mixtures. Mm-hmm. Now,
1: were you able to like replicate? Were you trying to replicate the still uh, at both locations too to make sure it's the same exact thing? Like, how, how are you trying to? Is there a, a, a fine tuning of it that you had to do to make sure, sure that? Sure, sure.
0: You know, from one still to the next, things are different, obviously. Um, but you try to. Um, to achieve the same compound, like Andrea said, we have we have all of this equipment that we can measure the compounds we're looking for, which translates into the flavors we're looking for, the things we're looking to get in our product, and and um, the consumer expects. Um, so we've been able to monitor that, and as soon as we put it in the warehouses, we start. We start pulling samples, you know, a month after. And we've been pulling samples every few months and we taste organoleptically. But we also run, run those samples on all the expensive equipment that Andrea's talking about, GCMS, HPLCs. We, have, we can measure all the compounds, see where we're at, make sure we're trending the way we need to be going for our product. And so, yeah, you have to adjust the equipment that you have to make... You know, account for different things.
1: So you had mentioned experimentations and stuff like that before. Mm-hmm. Now we know that you're doing bourbon. We know that you're <laughs> doing rye. I mean, are you looking at doing? Um, are you doing wheat-based recipes? Are you doing high rye, high corn? What's Corn whiskeys, like anything like that, that you guys are playing with. Oh, I can see the the smiles and <laughs> the eyes.
3: Well, we're we we're, we're always doing stuff. I mean, I'm, right. I'm doing stuff on the barrel on the barrel side of things. Pam's doing Dan's stuff on the you know on the distilling side of things.
0: And
1: well, go on, tell know. us what are you guys well, doing?
0: I know, but w- we we have a lot of different. Things out there, you know. Joe's, we, Joe's
1: not going to listen to this. It's okay. Just, yeah,
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, I think it's. I, I think we like to be creative. Certain, Let's put we it that We don't want
3: to be, you know. I mean, obviously, toasted barrel strength barrel finish rye. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I only bring that up because it was it was something that Pam and I did together last year that right. um, was a super fun project. But that took years before that, you know, came to market. And we're not a flavor of the month club. You know, this is not what Mictors is. When Pam and I are working on things together... You know, you may not see these things for several years. Many of them we may not ever even release. You may never see. We're gonna select the highest
0: quality things. Why? Because you guys are keeping it
1: all for yourselves? Is that why?
0: No, I mean you know, (laughs) so on anything. Things don't you know, here's the thing. You try a new recipe, sometimes it doesn't work, right? Mm -hmm. Same thing in your kitchen at home. You know, I make something new, my husband doesn't like it, I never make that again. Well, we do that here. I mean, we try different things. We, The team as a whole, we brainstorm and say, okay, what about this? What about that? You know, we try lots of different things. Some of them work. Some of them don't. Um, An exciting
3: part of our future right now, to be honest, is we we have 145 acres in Springfield, Kentucky, where we are literally, this week, we are harvesting our first crops of non-GMO corn with um, some of our... Um, fantastic farmers that live in the area there. And we're going to be planting rye and uh, barley here Mm -hmm. this fall. And, um, you know, that's, we now have the pot still operation downtown in our consumer experience, which is going to open later this year. And that's going to afford us really, some really fun opportunities to do some really unique stuff. And, And that's what I think um, you know we're super excited about that next journey um, of our life as well. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so we have a lot of different options open to us now. We have mm-hmm. a lot of different options for experimentation. We have pot still system downtown mm-hmm. that we're we're already operating actually. It's, our visitor experience isn't open yet, but we are operating the stills down there and trying to line them out and try to figure out exactly what we want to do down there. Um, same. Vane, we've got this huge, beautiful um, column still out here in Shively, and um, you know we're working on things there. So some things will work on a pot stills that may not work on a column still. So we <laughs> we can do a lot of different things, you know. Plus. We've got a lot of things that we can do in the warehouse and in maturation. There's all kinds of experimentation we can do out there. It's limitless. The variables Mm -hmm. are limitless. You know, I was just talking to somebody about this yesterday, actually. And somebody said something about um, uh, they were upset because I wouldn't tell them my recipe,
1: (laughs) our recipe, Victor's (laughs) recipe. And I said, look. If Fred was here, that's exactly what he would ask. I know.
0: And I could give you the recipe, but you know what? You're not going to reproduce it anyway because you don't have the yeast. You don't have the exact way that, I, that we do it, the process that we do it. Recipes are so different and varied that no one could really, think about it. All of the thousands of bourbons that are out there, have you ever tasted two that taste exactly alike? I haven't, I haven't. There's so many variables that you can do, whether it's in the distillation process, the mashing, the fermentation, the actual recipe you use, the grains you use, you know, um, and then the maturation side. I mean, there's so many different variables that people can, I mean, it's just limitless.
1: So let's talk about... Uh, two more because i'm in the product line and i know we got to do this service especially for those people that are the new york area because they can find these bottles around there and that's the the shanks and the bomb burgers line so what's Mm. the difference between those two lines uh, compared to the rest of your your us one line
3: so those are those are legacy Mm. brands for us so you know the the shanks um, if people don't know the history of Michter's, Michter's started in 1753 in Schaeferstown, Pennsylvania. Uh, it was started by a gentleman, John Schenck. So that's where the Shanks product comes from. Then he sold to Abraham Bomberger, and, um, you know, that's where the Bomberger's heritage comes from. All before closed during Prohibition, was picked up in the 50s by Lou Foreman, who renamed it after his two sons, Michael and Peter, that's where the name Mictors comes from. And then ultimately in 1989, just still reclosed in Pennsylvania. Um, the Maliokos acquired the abandoned trademark in the 90s and have been rebuilding the brand. Um, so we look back and we go, gosh, you know, there was this gentleman, John Shank, There was Abraham Baumberger. We want to celebrate the heritage of our brand. And we created those two products. The interesting thing about the products is that they have releases on them. Mm -hmm. so we've not quite dialed in what they're going to be year to year so that's kind of the fun of collecting them they are very limited we produce them in a very limited volume annually Um, the shanks is a product that uses some french oak barrels uh, to make the product so it has a a little bit more tannic content it's a really beautiful but it's a sour mash whiskey and the Other product is our Bomb Burgers. It's at 108 proof um, and it uses some chinkapin oak barrels. So chinkapin oak is an oak that does not necessarily grow straight and it's a varietal of white oak species, um, but it imparts some different characters. Uh, We can extract different characters from that barrel um, to that whiskey, but that's a Kentucky straight bourbon. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's quite lovely as well. So um it, it's fun to do those kinds of things. They sit within the style of Michter's, so rich, flavorful, warm, delicious whiskies. Um, but they are not um, you know, the per se the Michter's recipe.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, so there is there is a nuance. You're not just taking US one, dumping in a new bottle, no, and saying no, no, like, no, "Here no. you go." We're I'm, gonna. We're oh gonna. no,
0: it's very different.
1: Good. Well, it's good to know. I think a lot of people will be excited to kind of hear about that too. So, I, I also want to touch on the the new experience downtown because I know it hasn't opened yet. But what are you guys looking forward to uh, with that actually opening? Are you looking forward to a new shiny office? Maybe not having to drive to Shively <laughs> and just drive to downtown instead. No,
0: no, no. We're 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 stationed here. Um, we will be down there. Yeah. periodically. Um, but um, it's going to be a great experience. I mean, for, for me, I think it's great for the consumer because it's going to be an educational experience and people can learn about the industry, about Mictors specifically, and what we do and why we do the things that we do. Um, be able to taste some of our great products down there, obviously. And we also have the original Mictors stills from Pennsylvania the two pot stills down there so we'll be making product every day are
1: they going to Are it's a barrel they, a day uh, are system. they actually in, in use the originals or are they there for show
0: no 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 They're, we're, we're going to be operating them oh, real cool. down there yeah we're already operating them that's what I was referring to earlier mm-hmm. uh, we're trying to you know line out some recipes that we're going to do down there and that sort what of thing what are the thing. mash bills of them uh, I don't I'm know. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> right now, I don't know because we haven't honed in on anything exact yet. You, you but know we're I working had to on ask. some
1: stuff. You know, I had to ask.
0: Yeah, we're working on some stuff down there, um, too. But yes, we will be operating them daily. Uh, it's a barrel a day system. It's a small system, but a 550 gallon wash still and uh, a finish still mm-hmm. as well. Um, two pot stills. So Absolutely. Pot to pot.
1: Oh, fantastic. So I want to say, both of you. Thank you again for joining on the show today. Uh, I it was, like I said, it's gonna be a nice, easy, casual conversation, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I to, there's sure. too many
1: curveballs I threw
0: at you. <laughs> no, so, none at all. <laughs> so
1: it was fantastic, <laughs> yeah. and I'm, I'm sure if people want to find you or get to know more about you, they can Google you. They can find out that. But you know, you're also both on the road probably. So if yeah. you see if you see Mictors at in well, Oregon or somewhere else, it, it might be one of you two manning the table, or womaning ah. the table, <laughs> womaning the table, yeah, oh, the table. wow, I'm, wow. I'm, already, I'm already, I'm already, I'm already making like Cardinals sins over
0: here (laughs) manning the tape
3: well you have to oblige me one little thing so i said that i would say hello to my uh husband randy and my nephews logan carson bodie and dustin
0: oh geez! shout out (laughs) shout (laughs) out to the fam (laughs) you want to do too hey why not we just my mom and she's going through a traumatic time in her life and um so i'd like to say hi to her
1: I'll tell her to subscribe to Bourbon Pursuit, and then she'll. Be able to hear.
0: She will. You know, it's Good funny, plug, Kenny. <laughs> she, We just moved her to a, a senior living apartment, and they have a happy hour every Friday at four p.m. Mm-hmm. So all these senior citizens, I'll say, come down with their bottles of bourbon and their bottles of wine and their everything, and they go down and they have happy hour every Friday at four. Well, my husband just thinks that is the coolest thing. He said, when we get to be 88, I want to move to that place because if they have a happy hour, I want to be there. And of course, I've got to say hi to my husband who supports me.
1: And then you probably give her a box of mictors and be like, here
0: you go, bring it up. <laughs> bring Share it down, it. right? Share, Share it with everybody.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so thank you again both for joining. Uh, make sure you follow you. Bourbon, Bourbon Pursuit as well on all social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you do like what you hear, you want to support the show, support it on Patreon, on dot ncom slash bourbon pursuit and if you have any show show suggestions ideas fan mail hate mail whatever it is send it to team at a with that ladies thank you again for joining me and we'll see everybody next week